Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everyone. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 financial pros rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit us at fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. Today I'm excited to be speaking with Solange Jacob Randolph. Solange is the Senior Director of Marketing for the FMG Suite family of companies. Solange has been in the marketing game for more than 20 years. She understands what works and what doesn't, and she's happy to share that knowledge with financial advisors. Today, Solange and I are going to spend most of our 30 minutes together talking about a marketing calendar, how to set one up, what events to put on the calendar, real hands-on marketing. We're also going to talk about the customer experience and why it's critical for financial advisors to put themselves in their customer's shoes to see what the customer experience is like. For example, what type of emails does the customer get when they open accounts? What type, of, what type of communication does the customer get from the home office? All very important for you to understand as you think about the customer experience. We're also going to talk a little bit about paid ads on social media. That's a little bit of a cliffhanger. We're going to leave it at the end. We're not going to go into too much detail because that's going to be the subject of an upcoming podcast. So sit back, grab a pencil, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Solange Jacobs Randolph, who is our Senior Director of Marketing here for the FMG Families of uh, Companies. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, today, today we've got Solange uh, in the podcast, on the podcast, and we're going to talk about uh, what to consider when creating a marketing calendar. Uh, so open a browser, grab a notepad, and take some notes because we're going to be passing along a lot of information on a lot of different tips. This is the type of podcast where sometimes we have podcasts where we talk to um, uh, people that are at a very high level that are going to be looking at economic forecasts, at market forecasts. Then we have industry leaders that are going to tell you what direction the industry is going in. Today is a good old-fashioned roll-up-your-sleeves podcast. We are going to talk about the ins and outs of what makes a calendar work and how best to use it. So Solange, let's set the stage for everyone. You're Senior Director of Marketing for the FMG Suite family of companies. Give everybody your elevator a pitch about your duties. Uh, let's see. I've been a marketer and mostly technology and software companies for the last two decades now. Currently at FMG Suite, I manage a small team of very productive B2B marketers. We're responsible for driving interest in FMG Suite products and solutions, and we're measured by our ability to attract new leads and deliver them to our sales team. So primarily, we focus on inbound marketing. We attract our customers by creating a lot of valuable content like this podcast. All right. Yeah, ebooks and other materials. And hopefully when <clears throat> financial advisors realize that they have a need mm. for, you know, industry leading marketing solutions, we will be top of mind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, speaking of top of mind, one of the things we do with the marketing calendar is we produce one at FMG Suite. We produce a marketing calendar. I think our 2021 is almost ready. 
Absolutely. I think uh, starting in the new year, new customers will receive that in a box directly from our team here at mm. FMG Suite. Nice, nice. Uh, so we we are big believers in calendars here at FMG Suite. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about why financial advisors should use a marketing calendar to schedule their campaigns with clients and prospects. Solange, in your experience, what percentage of financial advisors use a calendar to track their activity? And, and, and kind of uh, how, why can a calendar be so powerful? Kind of a two-part question. Hmm. Um, I use a calendar in every part of my life on a daily basis, on an hour-by-hourly basis. So it's quite difficult for me to understand why more people don't ab- abide by calendars. Right, <laughs> Nothing sure. happens in my life without a calendar, to be honest. Um, but I'm afraid that, at least in my experience with financial advisors, I'm guessing that barely a fraction of advisors are using calendars to think strategically about their marketing. And mm-hmm. then maybe 10% of those who are thinking strategically about marketing are actually implementing a calendar to guide their, their day-to-day tactics. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, w- I would love to be proven wrong, certainly. Sure. So if you have a marketing calendar, please let us know in the comments if you're a listener. Oh, or yeah. if you're in an office with an advisor who does... Uh, use a calendar, please let us know by leaving a review for this podcast. Yeah. And I think what, what, uh, I, I think most financial advisors have a daily calendar of their activities when they're meeting with clients and prospects, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's more what we're talking about is more of a strategic calendar about marketing efforts that are taking place over a month, over a quarter, over a year, putting that together and actually giving some thought to that at the beginning of the year the milestones somebody would want to cover during the year. Absolutely. I mean, your day-to-day calendar might change at the drop of a dime, right? Someone gets ill and suddenly they can't make that appointment. But I want everyone to think about the marketing calendar as kind of that 10,000-foot view, something that guides not only your activities, but the activities of your team as well throughout um, the quarter or, as Mike said, as you you just said, throughout the year. It allows you to put certain markers in at the beginning of the year if you know you're going to host a quarterly event that you call your client appreciation event, put that on the calendar. And you also know that so many things need to happen to make an event successful. So you need to promote that event. You need a series of emails. You might want to do an actual postcard that gets delivered in the mail to your top clients who you you really want to feel special and make sure that they're there. So plotting all of that out for people like me, again, who don't do anything without a calendar telling me to do it, is of supreme importance and also keeps everybody on the same page. It means that it's not only in your head, even if you are the most organized person ever. Sure, You sure. need to socialize that information by way of a calendar to right. help keep you know, multiple people marching towards the same goal. Yeah, and I think uh, we're, we're talking the right language to financial advisors because if they want to put out a blog post, if they want to say something about, uh, uh, say, next month they want to talk about uh, end-of-the-year activities, They've got to factor in a compliance review. They've got to factor in uh, any type of other review, any type of writing process mm-hmm. that would go on, editing. So there's there's the marketing on the str- on the strategic level, and then there's the actual tactical execution of each piece. Absolutely. I mean, as a marketer, I lead my team in the development of some material. So let's say we're producing an ebook, and we need to put the deadline when we want to start promoting that ebook 
as a date on the calendar. But there's so many things that that we that need to happen on time before we can get to that. And I, I don't think that's too dissimilar from the life in a, of a financial advisor. You also have the same constraints. You need to draft the blog. You need to get someone to review it. Review sure. is always important. Yeah. Before you take that out and get that reviewed by your compliance department, uh, let's say, I don't know, something changes and you realize that there's some new, fresh new market insight you want to add to that blog. Maybe you need another round. Maybe you're going to have to allow right. for that kind of right. flexibility in the timeline that you allow. Um, and then getting the thing published, you know, images are really important on the on the internet. Maybe you want to work with a designer or you want to go poking around Google Images yourself to find some great images to support your message. Um, all of these things need to happen. Get it over to your to your web guy if, you, <clears throat> if you're not posting these things on the fly by yourself. Um, before you can publish. So yeah, calendars keep everybody on track um, and are essential for um, marketers like myself and financial advisors like uh, you all. All right, so let's do a quick q and I'm just gonna throw some quick questions out to you. Uh, should I put my presentation events on a calendar? Every time, yes. Should, should I put uh, physical events on the calendar? Absolutely. Okay, should I, should I put newsletter dates on my calendar? These are really important because there's so much work that needs to happen in the run-up to getting a newsletter out the door. Now, how about birthdays? Should I put uh, clients' birthdays on my calendar? Definitely. Clients love personal communication, and being able to send a birthday greeting card at the right time is is a, is a no-brainer. It doesn't have to be a difficult thing because you can schedule it in advance. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, how, how about I'm, I'm, I'm a social advisor. I'm posting quite a bit. Should I put that on the calendar too? Um, you know, social is an interesting one. I think social, you want to have an editorial calendar to guide the frequency of your posts and perhaps topically the types of things that you're going to talk about. But because social can be so on the fly, depending on what kind of poster you are and what kind of content you're putting out there. Um, so I think it's always good to know that I typically post on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. On Tuesdays, I'm posting an article that I know my audience that would be interested in, and this is typically a reshare from one of these top five publications that I keep my eye on. Um, um, you may also, if you're using some of our social tools, there's a lot of great automation campaigns. So in that case, you would know what's coming, and those can certainly be calendared. Um, but yeah, definitely know when you have to post something and have an idea in advance about what you're going to post because I think the worst thing is to have it be 11 a.m. on Tuesday and you're staring at, you know, the blank uh, screen sure. yeah. <laughs> with the cursor blinking at you and you don't have an idea for what to put out there. Absolutely. And you know, the, uh, along the worst things is when you post something and somebody calls your office and says, hey, Solange, I saw that post, Eek. and you haven't, you don't know about it, you haven't read it, uh, it makes everybody just a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, in order to, <laughs> you know, being authentic is so mm -hmm. important to having a, to, to having a great social media presence, and that means you should certainly know what is being posted and have a perspective on that. Yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 the um, that's one of the, tips we definitely give our subscribers with the video of the month that goes out. We tell people to watch it. Yeah. Watch it. You want to know what's going on with it. You want to be able to speak to it. Uh, it they're typically only a minute or two. It's not a huge investment of time, but um, if someone comes along and says, hey, that was a great video of the month you did this month about the, the 16 Wall Street cliches in two minutes, 
I really like cliche number seven, and you have no idea what they're talking about. No blank stares, please. No blank stares allowed is right. And, I, you know, I think also know, knowing what content is posting is really important because, it, like you said, it doesn't take much to add your perspective. You are a knowledgeable person. You've, right. You you bring something of value to this industry, so bring that to your clients. This is why they work with you because, you know, yes, you can share this great piece of content, but you also have something extra to add to it and that takes what a sentence when you when you're when you're preparing to post that you know why not right right and you can say gosh you know there's a 17th cliche that i really liked and <laughs> they didn't put it in this time <laughs> good stuff um okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about more of the fmg packages one of the uh if you're an fmg subscriber and you have an attract package we have four scheduled items coming out each month. Um, so you have video of the month, you have the market report, we have the pre-retiree campaign, and uh, we have the referral campaign. I think referral comes out every other month. So if you have the attract package and you've uploaded your list of people from FMG, you're going to be getting three to four pieces of uh, content each month coming out. Here's kind of the $64,000 question. How much is too much? when it comes to hitting a person's inbox? should How should advisors be viewing that? Um, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's one answer to rule them all in this context. Gotcha. I would say that it depends highly on the quality and the relevance of your communication. Some brands that I follow on social media post five times a day. For some brands, that would be way too much because right. I don't want to hear from them five times a day. I cannot think of any valuable information that they could possibly deliver to me five times a day. But there are other brands like the New York Times, which I turn to multiple times a day to make sure that I know what's going on in the world. And yes, certainly they are welcome to hit me across multiple channels yeah. <laughs> multiple <laughs> yes. times a day because the world is a rapidly changing place. Um you know, in those cases, it's never annoying or intrusive because it's timely, it's topical, it's relevant, it's helpful. It is something that I am seeking out because I choose to be a highly engaged, worldly, knowledgeable person about current events. <clears throat> but not everyone can get away with that, right? Like, you, I, I don't know that I want to read five articles about retirement on a daily <laughs> basis, right. but I would like little tidbits, like, you know, the world of financial advice is so broad. So I think if you're delivering the right content at the right time and it's, sure. and it's, and it's bite size and digestible, like perhaps you can get away with posting that much. So <clears throat> I guess the, the, the point I want to leave you with is, um, be helpful. Don't be obtrusive. Don't be annoying. If you're posting ever gets, if you ever get accused of posting too much like that, you want to listen to that feedback. Um, and also, I, I think I would aim instead to be not to have volume necessarily. I would aim for quality, consistent content. Sure. So I would hope that you <clears throat> can establish a regular enough cadence that your followers come to expect a helpful tidbit of advice or a really insightful article that sure. you shared or, you know, the video of the month piece that they've come to rely on just to make sure that they're top of, um, that they're on top of the markets. <clears throat> you know, that's, that's really helpful. Gotcha. You kind of train your audience in that regard. Yeah. You know, you touch on something interesting there because I think about, um, uh, about people that I know that I help with, uh, their financial decisions. A lot of the reasons they come to me is because they just don't, they don't really care and they don't care on a day-to-day -day basis and they don't whether the stock market went up or down it doesn't really affect them one way or the other so 
really the advisor should be considering who their clients are mm. and their uh, and the prospects and and they can always um they can always segment the lists with an fmg system if they want us if they have a 10 or 12 people who are just really news junkies that want to get stuff all the time yeah. uh but if they have other people maybe they want to just tone it down to where it's two or three things a month just so they can just so they can have a, a, a presence with them. Absolutely. And <clears throat> it's so easy to get that feedback. It's so easy to engage with your audience and understand what kind of what kind of a client they are, what kind of a recipient of your emails or reader of your social media posts they are. Um, you can survey them, you know, it's, sure. it's very yeah. easy to ask. You can do polls on social media nowadays. Yeah. You can right. send it. So it's a great way to engage people to simply ask them the question. Like if you ask me what I want to hear from you, you best believe I have an opinion about that sure. and I'm happy to share it. And guess what? You made me feel special and important because you asked my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's an important relationship. You have my money. I want to, mm -hmm. you, you and I should be on the same page exactly. when it comes to me communicating exactly. with you. Also now, keep in mind what your what you know I would say that consumers in this day and age are bombarded by so many messages advertising messages you know thousands and thousands of them from so many different places and so it is important to try not to overwhelm so knowing what your audience wants and then also understanding the context in which you are delivering the information to them so your broker dealer might also have a monthly newsletter or something that your clients get because they um, have a transactional relationship with you um, you know, so, so, so understand what they're getting from not only you, but the universe that you represent, sure. um, and try not to overwhelm any of your recipients. Sure. Now, one of the exercises we go through here at FMG suite about, I would say every six months to a year, and now we're starting to do it with marketing pro and platinum and the other firms that we've acquired is we come along as a, as a subscriber and we'll subscribe to our own service because we want to see what that subscriber gets um a lot of people have opinions a lot of people have what they believe the person gets but if we put somebody through that process we see that they get the welcome email we see that the follow-up email we see what and we have subscribers that have different statuses that hey they have the have a, a standout package versus an attract package what do they get are they comparable or the same and um, we have competing departments some departments will send stuff to new customers some won't so it's critical to understand what the person is getting which leads me to my next question which is the as a financial advisor should I be doing that with my home office should I understand what my home office is sending to my client as well as what I'm sending this is advice that I would give to anyone <clears throat> in any business, but absolutely you should be fully aware of what your what the customer experience is. What is the experience of working with you? So in as much as you can, as often as you can, in as many ways as you can, audit that um, because you are responsible for that, right? <clears throat> you are ultimately responsible for all of the information that your customer gets because they have a relationship with you. And so if that means they're also getting additional information from home office, yeah, you should you should know about that, and it's easy enough to do, right? Like we can very easily subscribe to all the things. You can yeah. very easily put yourself in the, in the in the uh, in the in the position of of a customer pretty easily, and get that full customer experience. And you know, you want to deliver value. You want to do that consistently with each communication. And if you 
if it feels like too much to you, guess what? It probably feels like too much to your client too. <laughs> so I was just going to ask. <laughs> I was going to say, if the the home office is sending something out every two uh, every other day, and you're sending stuff out every other day, you might say, "Gosh, mm-hmm. I need a break. I need yeah. a break from and Solange. I need a break from Mike." You'll see this in your unsubscribe rates if you have an email address, and people get the option to unsubscribe. I am a ruthless unsubscriber. If your communications no longer interest me and no longer serve me with valuable insights, <clears throat> or just I just decide it's time for me to clean out my inbox and give someone else a chance, and I ruthlessly unsubscribe um but also you touched on it briefly segmenting your list and understanding what people want is really important and with email that's that's pretty easy to do right you can uh if you can also notice when people stop engaging with your lists that's uh, a critical piece of information open open rates versus click rates yeah Yeah, when your open rates go down when your click-through rates go down those are all very important signs that uh, that that should tell you something about the health of your email list, and that's often a good opportunity for you to think about re-engagement campaigns, right? So some people may not want to hear from you three times a week. Yeah, and maybe you want to offer them the option to go to a once a month schedule, right? right? Like right. I would rather you send me one good piece of information and I open it and click through it and take the action that you want me to take. Than, um, than have me be, as a client, completely unengaged. Right. I think as you're, uh, um, if you have successful clients and they go to a time management class or they're interested in time management skills, the number one or number two thing is going to be unsubscribe, <laughs> aggressively manage your inbox. So <laughs> you're only getting the things that are important to you. And uh, so I think that you touched on something that's very important there. People are going to hear that message a lot. Yes. Um, I think some people absolutely value their time more than others. So you have the opportunity to engage your audience, ask them what they want from you and give them what they want, you know? Okay. So here's this is another good roll up your sleeves question. Uh, what's the best way to get started with a marketing calendar? Should I should I go to Staples and buy one that fits on the wall that everybody can write on with a magic marker, or do I? Uh, should I get an electronic calendar, and how do how should I consider it? How should I think about it? Um, I personally would not go to Staples and buy any paper calendars because, like I said, calendars are living things, and you should expect them to change. Um, I also believe in we we live in a digital economy and digital spans devices and digital is so handy because it can give you reminders about things that are coming up in the way that your paper calendar on the wall simply can't unless you're standing in front of it looking at the thing that's highlighted and circled in red. Um, but yeah, I, th- I would definitely go digital and I would make sure that you're using a calendar that's already integrated with everything else that you do. So if you're using G Suite, like we do at our organization, the G, the Google Calendar works for us. Um, if you are an Outlook user that works for you, I would make sure that you're getting access, you have access to said calendar. Not only you do, but your entire team has access to the same calendar. And everyone has, you know, the appropriate permissions for them to change things or reschedule things or add things to the calendar. Um, but yeah, make sure that it's integrated <clears throat> so you can access it across your devices if you're at home or at work and that you can very easily set reminders and share appropriate next steps with people who need to receive them. Yeah, I think that's important um, that people have access to it. And that uh, with the G Suite, as you mentioned, that's a, those are permissions within the calendar that you can say who can read it and who can actually edit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, is if you don't have a calendar, if you want to get going with one, 
touch base with your compliance office and see what type of tools they have available. Um, it, you're, you're not asking an outside-the-line question to have a calendar for your office. It, calendars typically are linked to an email address, uh, so your compliance department may want to know if somebody responds, where does that email go? Those are all good questions that you should feel comfortable answering with your compliance department and getting answers from. So don't set up a calendar. Don't, don't really be half-baked with the calendar. Be committed to the calendar. And I think what Solange is saying is very true. Don't go to Staples. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I, <laughs> Does Staples still exist? I think Staples still exists, but most of them are much smaller, and they have uh, they, they they probably don't even they probably only sell digital calendars at the Staples. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, if you have a paper calendar, as soon as you write it down, you're going to cross it out. It's out of date. It's out of date. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as you write it down. So, uh, good advice on the calendars there. So, uh, Solange, why we have you? Let's add a few bonus questions here at the end. Are you ready? Ready. Just a couple of bonus questions for our our, our marketing manager. Um, should I pull customers? You touched on that briefly. Um, how how do I do that, and uh, what what should I be asking them? Um, I think it's always a good idea to get people's topics of interest. And gotcha. I think there's also some intelligence that you can add, right? If people are at a certain age in life, they may have certain concerns like retirement. If you know a little bit about your clients and you know the age of their children, you know at some point they're going to be thinking about college financing. Right, right, yes. Right, if they're, if they're millennials, maybe, I don't know, millennials don't buy homes anymore, right? They just rent. I don't, I, I don't I, know. I maybe you talk to them about home buying. I don't know. <laughs> Um, um, but yes, why not? Why not ask? You have uh, you have tools at your disposal. You can do that on social media. You can do that via you know free tools like SurveyMonkey. Um, and again, I think any opportunity to engage your clients or your audience by asking them a question about what they want is a great opportunity to make them feel important and like you care. Gotcha. My my follow up would be once you ask, you know you better follow up and you give them do, the things right? that they want. Right. Right. Once right. you know better, do better. Right. Um, okay, let's uh, let's hit one more question before we end the podcast today. Uh, this is something that we that we're working on internally, but I'm sure many financial advisors have questions about: Should I pay for advertising on Facebook? Can I? How should I? What What are the constraints? What should I consider? All that kind of that intelligence that's really hard to pull from an article specifically for our industry. Um, this is certainly the topic of a whole nother podcast. Let me mm -hmm. preface by saying that, um, um, paying for advertising is part of a larger promotion strategy that in today's age, you probably will have to invest a little bit of money in. <clears throat> there are a lot of factors that are dependent on this decision though. And the first thing I would say is first, make sure you understand where your clients are. Like it may not be a Facebook play for you. Right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you can get more people by doing some strategic, you know, sponsored posts on LinkedIn instead. Maybe you have a better shot by investing some money in attending a community event and having a presence there. Sure. Maybe sponsoring the little league is a better way for you to get your name out in your community if you're looking to serve families and local people within your community. So um, I think that there is a there is a place for paid strategies within a larger marketing strategy, certainly. 
Um, but I think as a small business, you should always be frugal about where you right. choose to place your right. money. I think at, at FMG Suite, we're certainly sensitive to the fact that we are serving small businesses, right? So we are not going to encourage you to go out and slap thousands of dollars on some flashy marketing campaign. Guess what? You probably don't need a billboard sure. in Times Square ever. Uh, <laughs> it's just not for you. It's right? just not for you is right. Yeah, I think, with, I think with Facebook and some of the other social medias, there's always been that uh, for financial advisors, there's always been that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. But uh, what you're saying is, is that um, there's a limited budget and don't feel that you need to um, spend that budget in one way without having a real good feel of the best way to uh, allocate it. The beauty of social media is that you can spend small amounts across different platforms and use it as a testing ground. Mm, and I would certainly encourage you to do that. If you decide you want to um, invest in paid advertising, figure out wh how much money you are willing to play with to, to, to learn, right? To learn where your audience is, to see which, which platforms convert more. Um, also be really clear about what your goals are, right? Um, some advertising, the intent of, of that, of that paid spot is to get people to your website, or sometimes you want people to download your ebook or download your app or, or fill out the form and ask you for financial advice, be that as it may, it's always very important to understand and set those goals very clearly in advance of any paid campaign. When you craft the creatives for that ad campaign, make sure that your call to action speaks very directly to the goal that you set. So if you want people sure. to visit your right. website, say, right. visit now. Right, right, <laughs> you want right. people to register for an event, say, register now. Don't say, learn more. That's a little vague. What do I do with that? I want to learn, sure. But what do you actually want me to do? Sure, right? Make exactly. Cool, do, do that thing. Um, and then I would say measure <clears throat> ruthlessly, <clears throat> measure, measure again, optimize and optimize again. If you find some success on Facebook, then I would probably slowly start to starve the other campaigns over the course of time and funnel more into into Facebook advertising. If you find that people assert, you know, Facebook does offer really great segmenting, micro segmenting capabilities. So finding the audience that you want you can get down to a city block almost right, or some right. fantastic capability so <clears throat> there's there are a t there's a ton of opportunity you can do some small advertising campaigns without spending major sums i would certainly start there and make every opportunity a chance to get your feet wet and to learn how to do it better the next time right right and now with facebook you can you can you can put in a set dollar amount that mm -hmm. you want to experiment with. Mm -hmm. You can say, I only, I want to put a hundred dollars and I want to try it this way. Yep. And it may be gone overnight. It may be gone in two weeks. You might check up on it in two weeks and you may have only spent 50 cents. Yep. So I think the moral of the story is if you want to do it, you really have to get in the game to understand it. Yeah. And set parameters for yourself and do small campaigns. Um, and you know, use every opportunity to learn, like I said. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Solange, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Mike. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Market Emotion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.